0: Hey Tim, how's it going? Hey David, it's going fantastic. I, Are you a
1: fascist now?
0: <laughs> Am I a fascist now? No, I'm definitely not a fascist. Uh, that's I did. A shame. Uh, I <laughs> well, it would. I hear it's spicy over there in fashy, uh fasci land. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I met up with uh, my old buddy there, uh, who's now an avowed fascist. Adolf? Uh, yeah let's (laughs) call him adolf and uh or benito benito doesn't yeah i think he'd prefer benito yeah you know well who wouldn't at this point yeah well you know i get the sense that he doesn't think adolf was all bad you know he doesn't agree with some of his things but but, yeah okay we we talked about
1: that once too you remember our episode where we talked about uh Somehow we ended up on the topic of Jews and how, like, oh well, maybe maybe Adolf Hitler was like, yeah,
0: Germany's best interest. Like, he wasn't all that bad. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think you're taking things out of context a little bit. I think uh, my point there was that almost all evil done in the world is done with good intentions and scare quotes, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, like he, he was doing it for the greater good, and the yeah, problem yeah, and 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 the danger of all these uh, of most things is that good intentions don't mean shit because right. your good intentions might be leading you down a path of evil. Right. And you know, so, so yeah, anyways.
1: All right. So how we talked, you know, before you went to this meeting about the seemingly leaky bucket of libertarians uh, or some like along those lines. And so this guy was a libertarian. Now he's, you know, a proud or an avowed fascist. Yeah. So, you know, how did the meeting yeah, go? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And, and I'll just go back a bit. You know, he was, well, how I would describe him is, you know, he wasn't a, necessarily a deeply philosophical libertarian, I wouldn't say, you know, he was very concerned about, for example, UN agenda 21, was concerned about things like chemtrails he wasn't sure whether they were real or not but those are the kind of things that concerned him 9-11 truth like all these conspiracies that there's a new world order kind of pulling uh puppet strings i remember i had a debate with him i think the video is probably still up there somewhere um where you know to me what we're seeing in the world in terms of government in terms of statism in terms of is it can be described. It, it it can be explained just by people following their own self interest in a in a uh, game that is um, in a statist game. Let's say, right? Yeah. Because if you have this thing called the state that you think is legitimate, if that's your base assumption, then it follows that you know you the best players of that game are going to be the ones that cozy up. To the state, right? If so, corporation, yeah. you go lobby the state and you, you get in with it, right? Now, these people aren't Illuminati. They're, they're not trying to impose a system of control on you. Right. They are simply saying, okay, this is the game I have, and this is how I'm going to get ahead. I'm going right. to get ahead by going to the state and trying to clamp down on my competition. It's perfectly legal when they write the laws that that clampdown on my competition this is going to benefit my business right and mm-hmm. so i think almost everything along the way can be described as not a conscious effort to advance some sort of um, new world order let's say but more of a uh, of just people unconsciously following their rational or not their rational but their self-interest their immediate self-interest yeah and the, the rules of the game that have been established right and so that's kind of what our debate was around back in the day. But, you know, he was more of a, there are, there, there are kind of evil forces at work here, people pulling strings and, you know, there's some truth to that, <laughs> I guess, in the in the sense that there are certainly people who have broad ideological agendas and would like to see a radical, like, you know, there, there's the rewilding movement, for example, of people who, of activists who want people living in cities and want, the wilderness to be a pristine untouched uh area kind of thing right mm-hmm. um so there are certain ideological people um but yeah was, so i guess that this was kind of our our debate was you know i i don't need an illuminati or an nwo to explain how the world is all i need to know is that my neighbor wants uh free care. That's all I need to know. That's enough to explain almost every shitty thing. Right. Yeah. And, (laughs) and um, so that's kind of what, so, so I just wanted to point that out that he wasn't like into libertarianism because um, he, he was into it because he, I think he was a consequentialist in the sense that, um, you know, restraining government would lead to better consequences than anything else. And now he just thinks that, uh that that a different set of policies would lead to better consequences than restraining government uh, and probably for him, and I, I suspect that he you know a lot of these people are following their own self-interest to agree, but I don't want to get into psychology on, on this either. Let's just uh, maybe go into some of his arguments because we we debated in fact, I saw him two days in a row, you know because like Cause he's he just just felt like conversation. a conversation well you know what i i i don 't know i'm i'm harder I'm, I find myself being quite often harder on the right than I am on the left um, okay. because these are people that should know better in my mind i I kind of see most leftists as the way I look at kind of someone with Down syndrome or something you know yeah. i i don 't have any animosity they they're just are the way they are like they just don 't know any better right they 're kind of and and I get the sense that oh if they just knew the arguments or if they understood what I understood they would come around but but these people or at least people that were libertarians and now there's something else I have less I, I, I they they frustrate me more and I tend to spend more energy energy criticizing them and trying to like because these are people that do know better or at least in theory did know better at one time and now they're it's like you know going from abolitionism to advocating for slavery.
1: Yeah. Well, one, I would say more so the left on average is like a screaming five-year-old who somehow got in charge. Right. Right. So they think like they know what they think they should know what they're doing. So they're trying to figure it out, but really they're just like a terrified child uh, who doesn't want their authority doubted. Um, But I don't know if I would say libertarians or former libertarians did know better. Cause I think the same thing is at play unless people consciously have thought through kind of the more philosophical reasons of their views, they just get swept up in yes. one direction or another. So I assume many libertarians, even like a lot of objectivists don't actually know the right. grounding. They just, Oh, this makes sense for right now. Let me like follow, uh, follow this logic for lack of the proper term, right? So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and that is, and that's what we talked about last time, right? And so let's get into some of the uh, debate. I'm going to try to remember this. It was, it was a very confusing conversation. It was difficult for me to understand what he was talking about a lot of the time. Um, yeah. you know, for example, he made a difference between naked power and de facto power and all these things that, and so I had to constantly stop him to ask him for definitions that he couldn't necessarily always explain to me. Uh, yeah. you know, his general point was that liberalism is, is like what we're seeing in the world today is a natural extension of liberalism and libertarianism is, is part of liberalism. Um, Okay. And so he he sees libertarianism uh, as, you know, just kind of in the same camp as Marxism, you know, whereas a libertarian might put a fascist and Marxist in kind of the same camp called collectivist or something, Uh, you know. But so why is
1: a libertarian in the same camp as a Marxist? Did he say?
0: Essentially because it, it becomes all about the individual hyper- hyper individualism or something like that. The, the, this idea In that Marxism. Um, well, I know that's, it's, it's so, I was having a difficult time following him. I just, but here, and here, 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 here's his other critique that what okay. I found interesting is that, you know, this, the enlightenment idea of, uh, of, or, or the, this enlightenment notion of universalism, right. Of universalization of universal ethics and that sort of thing. Uh, he he described that as cancer, right? But he's telling me a universal truth claim in that very statement. So he I, yeah. so, and I pointed this out to him. I said, like, well, are you saying there's no such thing as good or, or evil? That it's just all a naked power struggle? He's like, no, no, no. Of course not. No, there's you know good power and bad power. I'm like, okay. Well, you're applying universals there. Like you're uh, you're doing the same thing. You're accusing us of being bad about. You're saying there's a standard. And and the standard is ought to be universal. He didn't quite see it that way, but he, I mean, he's making right. universal truth claims, right? And this comes back to Hoppe's argumentation ethics, or Molyneux's, uh universally preferable behavior, or I think uh, Kant talked about this. But basically, you look at the form of the argument, not the argument itself, right? And when you argue with someone, you are making uh, you, you're implying that there is such a thing as truth because you're you're saying the other person person's beliefs don't line up with the truth, and that's why you're having the argument to begin with. Um, you are exerting claims that you know aren't just true now, but they're they're universal truth. You're trying to proclaim universal truth, so you're you. I mean, it's kind of like saying, like yelling at someone. There's no such thing as sound or something right. like that, right? Well, obviously you believe there's such a thing as sound or you wouldn't be yelling out right, right? It, or so so the the very form defeats the argument from my perspective. Yeah. And 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 so there's an objective that there's, you know, uh, I got him to agree that morality isn't subjective, it isn't relative. It's objective. That's and it. then I got him and then I got him to try to explain to me what his objective standards are. Like, what are the standards you're by which you're saying? This state is good. This state is bad. Right. And you know, I couldn't get down to any core principles. So he wasn't very convincing and he's like, well, dude, I I need to connect you with my buddy. Who's a philosopher and blah, blah, blah. Right. And like, I'm not doing a very good job of defending this and you know, okay, that's,
1: well, if he can't explain it to you, he probably can't explain it to himself. Right. Like people, right. Don't just know things without understanding how they know them. They feel right. things without understanding right, why they right feel right them.
0: yeah and that's that's ultimately it. I, I get the sense that he feels like this is a better thing. It, you know I get like I get the sense that well, if it's him, a it scary more masculine
1: yeah, and if it's a scary chemtrail nine eleven truth or world, you want someone to protect you and and libertarianism says you have to protect yourself. Right. But I doubt he's the guy who wants to be the fascist leader. He just wants to follow the fascist leader. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, he makes points like we all have different, uh, potentials, maybe genetic potentials, maybe, um, uh, spirit or energy about us that, that, um, put us into different classes of people right like there's there's an aristocratic class and there's a lower class there's a middle class and there's kind of a bourgeois class and all these things you know and and we're just supposed to accept our class and be happy with it or whatever for a functional orderly society and I think to him you know it seemed like order was the highest uh, value for him more than something like liberty or something like that. And that's typical of the conservative mind, right? You know, conservatives typically um, look at the world through the lens of uh, order versus barbarism, whereas uh, the left looks at the lens in terms of oppressors versus oppressed and libertarians look at the world in terms of uh, authoritarians versus uh, coercion or something like that. And, And so, you know, he's making the case that to have an orderly world, which he would value, we need this strong state, that um, imposes, uh, you know, rules and, and you know, he, he makes points like, um, well, like liberalism leads to the breakup of the family. And, you know, to me, it's statism that leads to the breakup of the family. That seems pretty damn clear. He's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm like, well, yeah, as soon as you have public schools, you have a breakup of the family. You have parents now uh, outsourcing their parental responsibility to educate their kids and to be with them and to teach them to the state to this. Uh, and he's like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Like the state can be good with education. Like my state would, I'm like, well, I don't think you yeah. understand how people self-interested people operate in bureaucracies. Right. I mean, there, there's no way that a government bureaucrat in even in your state where they have these, they might start out with these, this great idea of discipline and, and uh, whatever your, your ideas of order are, those bureaucrats are going to want to keep their jobs they're going to want to expand their jobs they're going to want to have and it you know it's there's this slow erosion of what like liberty dies one paper cut at a time it's not a sword through the heart like I don't think they're going to go out there and but eventually you want more power in your schools and within your office right because you don't want to lose your job because you want a little bit more of a salary you want to flourish you want yeah. more things for yourself. And so that entails, I mean, if you, it's like any business, like you're, you're trying to grow your business always. Right. And it's no different than when you're a bureaucrat in the state, you're trying to so, expand your enterprise. Yeah. And, so two, th- and, and of course, family and enterprise. Go so ahead.
1: Two things come to mind. One is this, his idea of like, caring about order and you need a like kind of fascist state to impose order, I think just proves he, I mean, to psychologize him a little bit, he doesn't think he can create order in his own life. Right. Because the whole idea that order would come from top down is wrong. Right. Order would come from each person starting to put their own house in order and then not like, creating chaos for other people. So I think that is one aspect that I think of. And, but zooming out a little bit, because we're, this is something I'm thinking about generally, because, you know, I was wondering going into it, why you would find value or want to talk to a fascist. And, you know, you, you have expressed that um, well, but I recently read you know, about the concept of ar- the arbitrary in uh, objectivism and how if something isn't based on any evidence, it's not true and it's not false. It's just arbitrary. And if someone is advocating right. something arbitrary, the correct response is to just close your mouth and walk away because you're giving. And so this is kind of playing off of what you talked about, the different like forms of the argument, but from the reverse side. By engaging him in debate, you're giving more validity to his theories than they're worth, right? And so like now mm-hmm. you and I are talking about trying to untangle his theories and how is it at all rational? How does right. he think these things? Whereas the odds are if he can't point out his own evidence, then it's like it's arbitrary and he just has these thoughts. And so I wanted, what are your thoughts on kind of right. that premise? Because that's what comes to mind. But I also did yeah. just read about this yesterday.
0: Well, that's fair. And I mean, you can, you can, like, I'm a big believer in look for signs that someone is like, that you are in a doxastically open conversation. In other mm. words, you, you're willing to change your mind given reason and evidence. And the other person is also willing to change their mind. Right. And, and like, if you're not, yeah if you're not in that, you know, if you're in a debate where people are closed off and they're just like rigid and dogmatic like yeah there's no point in having a conversation with them or a debate with them let's say uh I but you push, know i, I want to
1: push back though because for two things like i would not go into a conversation with a fascist with an open mind that i could be convinced fascism is right the same way i wouldn't go in and be like open that someone could convince me the earth is flat right um and so like Ayn Rand true. also is against the notion of just like an open mind. She says you should have an active mind. Cause like the idea yeah. of like a hippie open mind, like the left wing, you know, the hippie movement had everyone should have an open mind. Well, then it's just kind of empty and open for anything, but there are certain things you can know. Oh, that's that true. Are, so I'm interested in, well, well, like, the, 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 were you open to being standard, convinced? I,
0: I, I mean, again, my highest standard is reason and evidence. And it, it what we're trying to do here is discern universal principles. And Mm -hmm. I'm open to the idea that maybe my principles or the reason and evidence that I've been following are somehow wrong or someone has found a flaw in them. Right. And so, so I I mean, again, I get this idea of doxastic openness from Peter Boghossian, who's a philosopher who wrote a book, a manual for creating atheists who talks about, um, the difference between, like, the opposite of dogma is dox, which he calls doxastic closure. Is doxastic openness. Someone who is dogmatic or, or faith based will never change their mind, right? And I, I mean, yeah. I get a little bit of this from Randians, to be honest with you. In oh, for sure, it, yeah. It, it, like intellectual property is against dogma. Now, I think that the 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 um, the principles underlying objectivism are correct, and I think. That the correct conclusion from that is anarcho-capitalism and um, right. and an abolishment of an IP regime, right? Rand would disagree with that, and right. so because Rand disagrees with that, we're kind of closing ourselves off to these arguments, and and so right,
1: and a lot of people wouldn't even understand those arguments themselves; they would just be dogmatic. Well, no, clearly right. that's wrong, which isn't the right approach.
0: Right I've memorized the lex the, the objectivist lexicon and that goes against it right Right So yeah so so doxastic doxastic openness isn't just like empty open mindedness it's like right. there's a standard called reason and evidence and objective universal principles underlying it and the idea that your beliefs or what's in your mind might not be aligned perfectly with your values of objective, you know, truth mm. and, that sort of thing. and, and went to a conversation mind, uh, maybe I'm, I'm wrong about, uh, about my conclusions here. Right. So, you know, anyway, uh, so, so, but, but I, I guess, you know, my ultimate goal in going in there, I, I want to see if there's any hope of converting this more about the thought processes that led him down this path right did you for the lot you know since i guess uh trump ran for president i've seen the rise of the alt-right and i've seen ethno-nationalism i've seen fascism i've seen these other these kind of fringe things start to grow in popularity and i'm trying to understand the attraction to it i'm trying to understand how they reason themselves into these positions um because i want to i want to stop the, the pipeline right and right. i want to provide a solution you know part of the solution to me is to provide mentorship and coaching to, to young men who are, are kind of drifting around rudderless and haven't had proper male mentorship or probably came from a fatherless home and are drifting towards these gangs where they get a sense of meaning and belonging and community. um, If they just subscribe to particular uh, dogmas and talk a particular way and, you know, act tough and, you know, bash leftists and, you know, whatever.
1: did did you get an idea of how he like what the kind of stepping stones were from libertarian? Like, what is the bridge that he followed? Was there a specific line of logic he or not logic, but in his mind, logic he followed?
0: Well, I, yeah, I had a difficult time disentangling it. Right, um, mm. he couldn't very well articulate it, which makes me think. Well, maybe it's more of a, a psychological or emotional thing. Like some of the, some of the things he said was like, "Well, libertarianism leads to." this degeneracy and to, to like whatever and i'm like well that does like or or to leftism or i can't remember exactly how he worded it but i'm mm. like well obviously in your case libertarianism led to fascism like couldn't couldn't right. people on the left would argue that it that it does lead to fascism now you're saying it leads to leftism right so yeah and i would say like libertarianism in my life has led to me being more kind of um conservative in my own personal life in terms of, I need to be more disciplined. I need to really focus on family. I need to like, there's some value in a lot of the traditional values that conservatives hold up. Now, the problem they have is that they want the state to impose it. Right. I see value of in embracing some of those values in my own personal life. They, they make my life better. They make my family's life better. They lead to flourishing Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. You know, and one that I'm really trying to work more on is, conscientiousness you know I'm a very creative person and I kind of get all these projects going at one time but yeah. you know I need to focus my discipline and and start grinding a bit more and focusing mm. you know and that's something that conservatism you know can teach me but I don't want the state to impose that on I me mean, I don't think that's going to have good consequences right. so so you know I'm pointing all these things out to him I'm like well libertarianism for me has led to like radical self-ownership of my own life means I'm responsible for it and I have to be the one that does the things, you know, and, you know, a point of agreement is probably that what uh, we're, well, I don't even know if it's a point of agreement, but again, libertarianism has, you know, libertarianism, one of the downfalls, and we talked about this in the last episode, is that we're constantly focused on the external right on the state and the problem is the state and if the state would just go away our lives would be so much better and of course there's some truth to that but that mindset takes us out of radical self-ownership to some right. degree because I can't control that really right like I can have maybe a mild influence in some areas but what I can really control is what I ought to focus on and that's the decision I make the moment my eyes pop open in the morning and you know there are things I can well, do to dramatically increase the freedom in my life just from that moment on right
1: Right, and then I would I would extend that that that's the way to get rid of the state. People will will right. want the state until they are able to take care of themselves and feel confident they can. Right. So it's very scary for the statist to just be told, no, 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 we'll get rid of the state, and then you'll be, be able to take yeah. care of yourself. They're like, but where's my blanket?
0: Right. Yeah, and the other the other thing he he said that was interesting that I had kind of a difficult time arguing about was, you know, that that power has and always will be a fact of life, right? There's always going to be some gang that's in control, that's exerting authority over uh, other people, right? There's always going to be a ruling class per se, even in in like an anarcho-capitalist or minarchist state. There, there are people like in an anarcho-capitalist state, it might be entrepreneurs who are the kind of aristocratic elite or the ruling class right I and but yeah. you know if you just think about your pro- your own private property yeah in a sense i am the ruler of my private property if i build a city and build all the infrastructure i'm going to yeah. be the ruler of that infrastructure and you know and and so but, yes i would prefer entrepreneurs who whose uh the way they they what they're competent at is providing value for people and you can tell that they're competent at it because they're rich right um like people give them yeah, money in exchange the, for the value they provide and i would prefer that to be the ruler than what he wants which is kind of a cross between a warrior priest right someone who is right. deeply spiritual and capable of of extreme violence he says and that's who ought to be the proper rulers or whatever
1: i think there's a disconnect between the i think the idea of an entrepreneurial ruling class is a contradiction because it's yeah. not a ruling class. People right. can go in and out of it based on how much value they're provided. Exactly. It's con- like, it's, it's the idea of the 1%. The 1% is right. consistently changing. Right. Um, right.
0: But, he, so, but he would argue, well, that, that that's just not pragmatic. That'll never happen. Like you're never going to have this imaginary world. And so we should right. just accept the fact that there is power, that it's done at the point of a sword, and that we should be the ones that have that power, not these other guys, this other
1: group. Right. Well, and that's, that's the way society or like human culture has been for most of its history, but the whole right. argument is that because of individual rights and stuff, that is no longer the case. But if he doesn't understand right. the philosophical principles, he can look at all of human history and say, yeah, for most of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, and I pointed and that out to even most of the said, look, time now, look, I, I said for the vast majority of human history, like if you would have, if we would have had this conversation 150 years ago, and I was an abolitionist, you would have pointed out rightly that slavery has always been a part of mankind. It'll always be a part right. of mankind, right? Because I and I couldn't disagree. Like yeah, for had, the last yeah. all of recorded history, and probably since we we're chimps or whatever, yeah, there were there have been slaves. Um, yeah but, but I, I've got high hopes. I mean, I would sound <laughs> right. like a bit of an idiot. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I got high hopes. We can right. get better. Right. And so I, I don't think we're, and, and the other thing I found a little bit disturbing about his mindset and he would disagree with this, but it, it was very deterministic, right? It's like yeah. liberalism leads to this. Uh, this is how it's always been. We just have to, but you know, I constantly pointed this out. I said, well, I've thought one way and now I think a completely different way, right. you know, I can make choices. I have free will. He's like, yeah, well, of course, but you know, I'm talking about the broad sweeps of history and the ups and downs and this is these patterns that are clear. And I'm like, well, yeah, but these patterns get broken all the time and people seem to have free will. And, right. and like you're arguing that they do. And yet you're saying that they're like th- that they ought to stay within their class and accept it. That they ought to, that thinking this way is going to lead to this, that, you know, that all these things are like inevitable like we're just dominoes in a chain of dominoes or something falling.
1: Yeah, well he has a conclusion that he needs to justify, right? So he'll pick up right. whatever, you know, strands he can claim. Before we wrap up, I want to ask, you said you talked to him a second day, was there anything was it just you felt what what specifically led you to want to kind of have a follow up with him? Was it just trying still well, trying to get to him or still trying to understand, or was there a particular
0: Well, The first first day, uh, he he needed a microphone or something for something he was filming, and so we went to the store. The store didn't have it, and then I realized I I actually had the very thing he was looking for in my backpack, and so I let him borrow it. So I had to go back and get that piece of equipment from him the next day. So we had lunch. I drove him to the airport and stuff like that. He didn't have a ride. I was just trying to be nice to the guy. I was still trying to put out these tendrils of, look, you know, you you, you tried trying to love this guy back into the good side. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, we had, we had lunch and you know, I was getting kind of a, it it was getting a little bit heated. It it was like, dude, I can't believe like you've fallen off. And the other thing that pissed me off is this guy has a, uh, a black wife. Okay. And yeah. he's hanging out with ethno-nationalists. In fact, he is kind of an nationalist. He thinks he wants the white race to continue, continue. Fair enough. Okay. He wants he thinks that whites should have their own place, just like the Japanese do, just like the Chinese do, just like the Jews do, just like the natives do. Um, and sure. you know, but but I'm like, but but what about your wife? Don't you want her to live with you in this? country and he's like well there's exceptions to every rule like exceptions kind of prove the rule right and I'm like, no. well but but do you really want the people that you're hanging out with to be in charge of whether your wife can stay with you or not like who is there going to be like some politburo that checks blood quanta and who's deciding on these exceptions and like what about the brown babies you have aren't they going to like uh weaken the 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 race and aren't they going to have like a really hard time in this yeah. state that you this utopia that you're describing to me like it it makes absolutely no sense like part of me was just getting mad at him because i like his right. wife his wife's a good person and i would never hang out with people like my wife's a newfoundlander right and i, I just would never hang out with a person who constantly disparaged newfoundlanders who right. you know <laughs> Like I, I, my wife is my main thing. Like that's who I'm loyal to. That's my ride or die. I don't give a fuck if your skin color is white. And this is what I pointed out to him. I said, look, I I'm with you in that. I don't like forced integration, but I don't want to be, I I don't want to be forced to integrate with almost all whites either. Right. Like I I want to not be forced to be integrated with anybody and the whiteness of your skin isn't sufficient enough to make me want to integrate with you. Like you got to, you actually got to prove something to me as an individual. You got to show me some, (laughs) that, that, that there's some mutual exchange or mutual value here. Um, So, you know, you know, we kind of left it. I I just got frustrated. I'm like, dude, I, I I like, we need you to come back. And he was like, well, I know, I know. He's like, uh, you know, so I don't know, maybe I cracked the door a little bit, but uh, I, you know, I just can't imagine that if he loves his wife and if he's on this path and I, I see some things in him, like. He's going to the gym. He's being a bit more disciplined in his personal life. Like he's trying to, he's trying to get his shit together. And I just have to believe, like I believe with most young leftists, that once they get a job and take on some responsibility, a lot of their leftism is going to go away. Yeah. As they face, you know, I, I just have to imagine that he's, he, he's it that that this ethno nationalism fascism that he's operating in, that um he's going to see that yeah there, there's no uh, like these people aren't my friends, uh, well, they're, they're, hopefully they w- but don't want what's best for me and my family. Right. But.
1: Yeah. Lots of people don't end up seeing that though. They just kind of get sucked into the bubble. So, I mean, I'm torn as to whether I think it's good for you to keep that hand stretched out to them or not. Right. But eh. like, you know, in, in the first episode, before you had this meeting, I, I was thinking like, I had thought it's valuable to, you know, have podcasts with these people to reach out to try and understand their thinking and that sort of stuff. And based on what I've read recently and based on your like this conversation, I'm now kind of switching my view that these people aren't connected to reason. They're not trying to understand the premises necessarily necessarily. And so you can't, if they're not using reason, you can't reason with them to change their mind, right? So then you yeah. just get frustrated. And I've had that experience, not with a fascist, but with people in my life, who you try and explain something to them, and they're just refusing to understand. And so...
0: Right. Well, I get that, you know, like, like I can't come from the skeptic community where it's like a common saying was you can't reason people out of a belief they didn't reason themselves into right. Yeah. And, you know, another saying, uh, and, and it's something similar to you, right, which is like, most people form their belief and then create an ex post facto justification for that belief yeah. and call that reason and evidence. And part of me wants to be open to the fact that maybe I'm doing that right now, right? Like maybe my personality is just wired towards this way of thinking and I'm ta- tacking on all these, this philosophy that sounds correct, you know, because I, I was you, like you, when I came across yeah. objectivism, it's like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense. But there are other people who are like, what is this bullshit, right? Like this right. doesn't jibe with me. So, so I don't know, maybe there's, you know, I have to be willing to admit that, my personality type, um, I'm wired a particular way. One thing I noticed, have you ever heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test? Yeah. There's like 16 different personalities or whatever. A lot of libertarians or people that operate in this community are uh, INTJs, right? They're introverts, they're justice-oriented or whatever. I can't remember what it all stands for, right. which is kind of interesting, right? There, it does seem like there's a personality type that become libertarian. Um, and Jonathan Hyde points us out. And so that disturbs me a little bit. I mean, it makes me wonder if I freely chose this sometimes or not, or whether, you know, maybe it's all the dominoes, but like I told him at the end of the day, this, this debate, if you just think that we're a bunch of dominoes that are, are wired genetically the way we're wired. Yeah. Um, then this debate is, is completely pointless. We're just basically atoms bumping into each other yeah. and like, there's no point in this. Like I have no consciousness. You have no consciousness. We just think we do, uh, or it's an yeah. illusion or something like that. You know? So I, I don't, I don't what to make of it. Sorry. I kind of went on a rant there, but
1: yeah, no worries. I'm going to not touch all of that because it's a whole other yeah. topic about whether or not you're determined or can you introspect and whether or not those personality tests are even valid. So there's a lot of other information there but i'll just say i'll I'll just
0: quote chris i'll quote christopher hitchens there here and say well if i don't have free will if it's if life is deterministic i have no choice but to believe in free will
1: right (laughs) and i'll just say i'm glad you're not a fascist
0: i i am glad i'm not a fascist all right thanks tim thanks david